Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll check them out at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and Senate majority leader. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Marco Robert, international speaker and Business consultant will be joining us as well. It is April the 21st, and on this day in 1989, six days after the death of Hu Yaobang, the deposed reform-minded leader of the Chinese Communist Party, some 100,000 students gathered at Beijing's Tiananmen Square to commemorate Hu and voice their discontent with the China's authoritative communist government. The next day, an official memorial service for Hu was held at Tiananmen's Great Hall of the People, and student representatives carried a petition to the steps of the Great Hall demanding to meet with the Premier. The Chinese government refused such a meeting, leading to a general boycott of China's universities across the country and widespread call for democratic reforms. Ignoring government warnings of violent suppression of a mass demonstration, students from more than 100 or 40 universities began a march to Tiananmen Square on April the 27th. The students were joined by workers, intellectuals and civil servants, and by mid-May, more than a million people filled the square. The site of communist leader Mao Zedong's proclamation of the People's Republic of China in 1949. On May the 20th, the government formally declared martial law in Beijing, and troops and tanks were called to disperse the dissidents. However, a large number of students and civilians blocked the army's advance, and by May 23rd, government forces had pulled back on the outskirts of Beijing. On June the 3rd, with negotiations to end the protests stalled and calls for democratic reforms escalating, the troops received orders from the Chinese government to reclaim the square at all costs. By the end of the day, Chinese troops had forcibly cleared the square and Beijing streets, killing hundreds of demonstrators and arresting thousands of protesters and other suspected dissidents. In the weeks after the government crackdown, an unknown number of dissidents were executed and communist hardliners took firm control of the country. The international community was outraged by the incident and economic sanctions imposed by the United States and other countries sent China's economy into a decline. However, by late 1990, international trade had resumed, thanks in part to China's release of several hundred uh, imprisoned dissidents. Who can ever forget the visual image of the student lying down in front of the tank, really pleading for freedom, which we take for granted here in this country. It's really a shame. But uh, right now, of course, we're seeing impositions on some of those freedoms, and people are expressing their dissatisfaction. But certainly, we don't have tanks running over us right now. We're fortunate to be living in the United States of America. Well, Cuyahoga County leaders look to create a committee to plan reopening of the economy, beaches and parks. Uh, right now, Bert Saunders is the head of the commission, and he's looking to gather together some folks and be talking about this. In the meantime, coronavirus uh, in, in Florida, Governor DeSantis convenes an economic task force, and he's uh, having two meetings today. We need to get the economy back in a safe way, he said. Part of that is doing the testing, and that will give people the confidence to participate Florida is a third behind New York and California in testing with more than 270,000 tested as of Monday night, or about 1.5% of the state's population. As to unemployment claims, the state has paid out $60 million, or 6% of those filed. Meantime, uh, the number of confirmed cases of coronavirus in Florida has hit 27,000 Monday evening, the Department of Health reported. The state reported a total of 823 deaths of those who have tested positive. Now, just check the wording on that. 823 deaths of those who have tested positive. In other words, what they're, not, they're not saying they died of the coronavirus. They say they had the virus when they died. Different type of statistic, but that's the one that's being used right now. It concerns me. Working groups divided into industries by their level of economic risk will begin Tuesday morning with final meetings scheduled for Friday 
unless additional time is needed, the Office of Policy and Budget will compile the recommendations and brief the governor on them. Uh, DeSantis has previously told reporters he wants to see recommendations on its desk by the end of the week. It's a good thing. Now, he's, be he's been beat to the punch here by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. On Monday, he rolled out aggressive plans to reopen. He's saying many businesses shuttered to mitigate the spread of the uh, coronavirus may open or reopen their doors as early as Friday. He announced that gyms, hair salons, bowling alleys, and tattoo parlors are among the businesses that may open, reopen Friday, as long as the owners follow strict social distancing and hygiene requirements. Uh, movie theaters may resume selling tickets, and restaurants uh, have a limited to uh, takeout orders can go back to limited dine-in service. So uh, he's rolling this out gradually, again, with some pretty strict uh, requirements. But nevertheless, it's good to see uh, the governor of Georgia get, getting things back to work. Uh, Tennessee's doing the same type of thing. It's good to see. President Trump uh, tweeted Monday night that he will temporarily suspend all immigration to the United States over coronavirus concerns. In light of the attack from the invisible enemy, as well as the need to protect the jobs of our great American uh, citizens, I will sign an executive order to temporarily suspend immigration into the United States. He tweeted that, and uh, he didn't say what the details would be or who would be affected or how it would be affected. The move uh, wouldn't be the first by the president to restrict entry into the United States during the pandemic. In recent weeks, he's also barred asylum seekers and suspended travel, including China, Europe, Canada, and Mexico. But this may be one of the most sweeping moves yet to restrict immigration. And I think it probably has not only to do with the uh, coronavirus and uh, spreading that, uh, re reducing the spread of the coronavirus, but also the jobs. And we have 22 million Americans out of work, and we need to get them back to work. We don't need folks coming in here to uh, take their jobs. Well, the coronavirus has infected roughly 4.1% of the population in California's Los Angeles County, suggesting the region's outbreak is far more widespread than previously thought, between 28 and 55 times higher than the number of confirmed cases new research shows, echoing the findings of a similar study elsewhere in the state. Uh, the new data of Accurate also indicates the coronavirus rate in Los Angeles County, the most populous in the country, is lower than initially predicted. Earlier this month, The Economist magazine cited a new study that found the fatal and highly contagious novel coronavirus has spread faster but is less deadly than official uh, data has previously implied. I think that uh, confirms the reason I'm talking about Los Angeles here is because it confirms the fact that the disease is extremely contagious, but not as deadly as many thought. I think it gives further information and further informs the governor's decision to open the state and, and point out to people that have uh, compromised immune systems who have uh, special issues, health issues, they should confine themselves and protect themselves from uh, the deadly virus. President Trump said Monday that Governor Andrew Cuomo would visit the White House today Cuomo frequently refers to the need for a federal government to come in to rescue his state. On Monday, he said he would have to cut schools by 20%, local government by 20%, and hospitals by 20% without federal aid. And he's going to be coming in with some of his people, Trump said, during the White House press briefing yesterday. Governor Cuomo should spend more time doing and less time complaining, he wrote on a Twitter. <laughs> get out there and get the job done. Stop talking. Well, uh, there's no question in my mind why... Cuomo is coming to see the president. He's a, a supplicant coming to ask for federal relief for problems, by the way, that weren't necessarily created by the coronavirus. The state has been having economic problems for years, and right now this has just exacerbated the problem. We certainly have problems here in Florida, too. Don't misunderstand, but at least uh, the state has been run well for the last, oh, six, seven years, eight years, ten years. And the consequence of that is we have uh, some reserves of the government. We have uh, lower spending. We're in pretty good shape compared to states like uh, New York. So I'm sure he'll be coming to say, I need help. Please help us, Mr. President. I think the president understands that. Well, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is in grave danger following some type of surgery, according to the United States intelligence officials. There was a report that the uh, noted that uh, Kim recently missed the birthday celebration of his grandfather. Uh, there's no indication that Kim's health was right, related to coronavirus, but more to his smoking and weight issues. Uh, 
Uh, NBC's Kathy Turr sparked further speculation after deleting a tweet citing two U.S. officials who purportedly claimed that the authorian is brain dead. Uh, North Korean Kim Ing Yoon Un is brain dead, according to two officials. He recently had cardiac surgery and slipped into a coma. Uh, the Chinese, communist Chinese, are saying, ah, that's overblown. We don't think. There's been other reports that he's been in grave danger because of his health. Uh, but the Trump administration officials are looking into what will be the line of succession if uh, the Kim Jong-un dies or is already dead, I'm told. Interesting. Finally, U.S. stocks for this session. Anyhow, U.S. stocks finished near session lows Monday as investors watched oil futures crash, overshadowing shadowing, uh, optimism about plans for a staggering easing of global lockdowns in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, was down 592 points yesterday as an indicator of how financial markets were doing. Futures right now are down about 400. Hopefully, they'll, they've, they've been improving as the morning goes on, so hopefully we'll see an improvement. But oil's May contract plunged into negative territory, meaning that you'd have to pay someone to take the barrels of oil off your hand. So interesting. West Texas Intermediate Oil Trading on New York Mercantile Exchange plunged nearly 300% to settle at minus $37.63 a barrel. The president said, you know, now's a good time to fill up our oil reserves. The price is cheap, and we could uh, take thousands of barrels and uh, put it into our reserves. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com also by Naples Illustrated bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is naplesillustrated.com okay coming up we're going to visit with our state senator Kathleen Pasadomo that and more right here on the Bob Harden show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Of course, the balance of this season has been canceled, but great shows lined up and productions for next season. You can find out more by visiting the very robust website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the president and founder of Less Government. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and Senate Majority Leader. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So uh, the governor is holding a couple of meetings today. It uh, looks like he's moving towards reopening the economy in a prudent way, taking care of people's health, getting people together from all different industries and getting their opinions, and he wants to have a plan on his desk by Friday. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think um, that's a, a smart thing to do right now. Um, as the curve flattens and as uh, more and more people are being tested, and we can talk about that in a minute, um, there will be more people that are able to go back to work because either they've had the virus and have developed antibodies or they're testing negative. Um, and so it has to be strategic, obviously, and it has to be safe. And so the governor appointed a 22-member committee, um, as you indicated, comprised of business leaders, Florida Chamber, um, and the mayors of Miami-Dade, uh, Broward, and I can't remember who else, but it's a very uh, good group of people who are meeting throughout the week to come up with a plan to present to the governor on Friday. Um, at the same time, the governor is also talking about uh, – the additional testing mm-hmm. and the antibodies testing. He, he's, uh, uh, we're waiting on a shipment of 100,000 uh, antibody tests. And I suspect that the discussion will revolve around how to people back to work safely. Mm-hmm. That certainly makes sense. Uh, now, there's a lot about of this uh, antibody testing and so forth that I don't quite understand. I'm certainly not an expert or medical expert by any means. But what I think I know, and what I'm hearing from Dr. Burks, for example, who's uh, on the stage with the president during the daily briefings, that you don't need universal testing. You just need a sample of testing to determine how, how far or widespread the virus is. Well, I, th- I think there's uh, uh, some truth to that because uh, when you're doing the test, and if you find a large number of positives, you know that you're in a hot spot. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a hot spot, you're not going to open... Uh, the uh, open for business because there'll be just too much uh, spreading. So if you have uh, very little positive tests and if you have a great number of people that have, that are um, have developed the antibodies, that makes it a little bit easier to start um, letting people go back to work. But I think the key is not just being able to test, but going back to work is going to mean very different than it did uh, four months ago. Going back to work may mean uh, you're going to go into uh, a business or a store or a restaurant and people are going to be wearing masks and they're still going to be distancing. And for the foreseeable future, I think everyone has to be continue to be cautious. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I certainly think that everybody will want to, just in their own self-interest, want to take care of their own personal health and the health of others around them. So I think everybody's going to volunteer to do that. But I think it's really a positive thing to uh, begin opening the businesses as soon as possible because this is just a crushing blow to the economy. You know, I know that the president is going to be meeting with Andrew Cuomo today, the governor of New York. I'm sure that he's a supplicant coming to the to the president saying, "I need money. Give me some money," <laughs> but because uh, New York has has been just uh, spending so devastated. Yeah, devastated. and and uh, we've yeah. been so much more financially responsible. Well, I think that's that's true. Um, Florida has, uh, at least, and I've been in office, and that's like ten years. We have been uh, putting money into reserves. Yeah. So that uh, we you know, we started this with four billion dollars in reserve, um, and so we were able to draw and and be in the budget. We put in three hundred million, which we've surpassed uh, already. Yeah. In so far as uh, expenditures related to the virus, um, but at least we are not going to have to. Um, I mean, we we have enough in reserves to cover it. Now, what will happen in next year's budget? 
Uh, next session will be a different story. And the governor has also indicated he's probably going to veto a number of the member projects or non-essential um, uh, uh, allocations that, that the legislator passed. And I, and I think most people will be comfortable with that. Oh, absolutely. Well, again, it's just a week. I'm certainly, he, he wishes we were better off. But my understanding is he just got a nice chunk of change from the federal government uh, f to put in the That's coffers. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and, and they he has because he works so well with the Trump administration. Florida has uh, been able to um, uh, receive funding um, from the federal government to help particular businesses that are uh, trying to get back on their feet. Yeah, you know, uh, I saw a survey which kind of surprised me. Uh, it said that uh, two thirds of Americans are concerned that the economy will open too soon. Now, I, I don't trust all surveys, believe me, but uh, what are you hearing from uh, your constituents? It, it's very interesting um, that, you know, my constituents um, are very uh, distinct. I've got uh, a lot of young business people, and I have a lot of elderly people. Mm -hmm. um, and when I use the term elderly, I should probably not say elderly people who are over 65 who are basically retired. Uh, they are very concerned about opening too soon, um, and 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 I understand where they're coming from because they're the most vulnerable. Uh, so the business community are saying, "Well, I I I'm good. I can get back to work." But the older folks are saying, "Well, I understand that, but just don't get me sick." Mm -hmm. So we have to find a way. And 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 frankly, I think that one of the most important thing when you look at the numbers of people that have. Uh, contracted the, the illness and passed, a lot of them are in nursing homes or, or assisted living facilities, um, are older, are elderly. If uh, we could find a way to help them continue to shelter at home, then their risk goes way down. Yeah. And so, we, you know, those are the kind of discussions I hope the committee has. Um, you don't want to turn people into shut-ins on one hand, but on the other hand, you want to protect them. I agree with that, and yet I've, you know, when you read carefully what the reports on deaths, for example, in Florida, it says uh, people that had died with the coronavirus. It doesn't say because of the coronavirus, and it just makes me wonder about the motivation of how stuff, some of this stuff is being reported. You know, if somebody that's 85 years of age or 90 years of age dying with coronavirus, but it may have been from a different cause. Well, that could, that's... Uh possible as well, and, and I don't think we'll ever know until after the crisis is over and we do a deep dive into what occurred, what we did right, what we did wrong, right. what, we, what we need to expect in the future. Um, I, I do agree that there's um, a, a considerable amount of sensationalism, yeah. um, and it's, it's unfortunate. I, I don't think it's mean-spirited. I think it's just everybody's sort of jumping on the bandwagon and and there there is a lot more fear being generated because of it and the other thing is because of the unknown you could turn on any channel and you'll have different talking heads saying different things re, uh, that are also bringing on different medical personnel that are also saying different things we don't have any definitive um spokesperson i i think the the closest might have been dr fauci and even then, uh, some people are dissing him. So yeah, yeah. we just don't have a handle on on the truth. And I don't think we will until way down in the future and and then hopefully do something to prevent this kind of thing happening again. I would agree with that. To, to me, I just think we've been overtaken by uh, a contagious fear, not only pandemic, but the fear factor is, uh, I think, in some ways contributing to what's going on and we just need to get to more healthy place mentally and spiritually to to deal with this thing quite frankly in my view kathleen pasadena well, oh, no go ahead <laughs> I, I was going to say i i understand that but i still have trepidation in that what if we're wrong yeah so that's the problem and we don't know we won't know whether we were right or wrong or anything that we've done until probably six, eight months from now. Yeah, you're probably right. But again, life is a risky business. So uh, we're in it together. We've got to take risks. So Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen, lighter side of the show. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, Blue Provence offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. During the governor's stay-at-home notice, Blue Provence is offering pickup curbside takeout options five nights a week, Tuesday through Saturday. To place an order, just call 261-8239 Tuesday through Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. A 20% discount will be applied on all food orders during these unprecedented times. Compliment your order with amazing wines from the Blue Provence Retail Wine Store, offering amazing choice and value. Blue Provence Wine Store is open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 12 p.m. and has one of the most eclectic and fun wine cellars offering 10% off cases. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get people off of welfare and back to work. And, of course, that's put on hold for the meantime. But uh, you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Marco Robert. He's an international uh, consultant to businesses and a speaker. Really looking forward to the conversation. Right now, we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. And when I say that, it makes me smile. <laughs> Boo, how are you doing? Well, okay, I've had enough of staying in. I'm getting as crazy as a barnyard rat. <laughs> it, <laughs> enough already. It is getting a little repetitive, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it's interesting. I think that the nation as a whole is kind of like, okay, we've been good soldiers, we've stayed in, we're wearing the little masks, we're doing it, but enough. Yeah. You've asked enough of us, so that's it. And you see where they opened the beach in Jacksonville? Yeah. And they said, well, yeah, you have to practice social distancing. Didn't look like social distancing to me on that beach. Well, now that's, you know, the, they could have been just large families gathering together in clusters. <laughs> could be. Yeah, I doubt not. it. But, you know, don't you think that the nature of, I don't know if it's human nature or if it's Americans, kind of like, I'm going back, I want to do it the way I did it before, I'm going back, don't tell me I got to change because it's not going to work. I don't know if it's this freedom of speech thing. I don't know, but do you think a lot of things will change? You know, I'm not sure, but I, I, I tell you, it's kind of interesting to me. I was shocked. I read uh, the result of a survey that suggested that two-thirds of Americans are worried that we'll get back to work too soon, we'll open the economy too soon. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing the economy tank. I mean, the the... the the problems that we're developing as a consequence of not running our economy are just disastrous. And every yes. day is going to cost more and more in terms of our recovery. So, uh, you know, again, I, I spoke with our Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, in the last seg segment. And, you know, I suggested life is risky. We've got to get, you know, we have to take some risks. We've got to get back to work. I agree. Yeah. I, and I think that a lot of, well, you say two-thirds are worried about it. 
I, I think, you know, most people want to get back to work. They want the schools to open. They want their kids going back to school. They want to go back to work. They want to earn money. Right. This is tough on everybody. No question about it. So what do you think it's going to look like when... Uh, well, when, let you... me ask you a couple questions. Okay. Do you think that they'll take the middle seat out of airplanes? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. I, I think uh, they'll probably... Uh, start off by selling one seat on each side perhaps something like that in other words uh, and I think that's also for restaurants so restaurants are gonna have to perhaps have more outside dining that's spread out and in in the restaurant every other table type of thing just be, as you recall that's what we were doing before right the, the uh, what, do you, what do you think about movie theaters well do you think they'll survive you know that's everybody's a, pretty used to watching movies at home now yeah cheaper yeah, well, you know what? Uh, we go to the movies about once a year. It's usually around Christmas. <laughs> so, uh, we're not big movie goers anyhow. But that said, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they either have to re- increase the price of the tickets, which is not going to go over well because people are, are you know, pretty th- thinly funded at this point. So that's just another issue. How about the clothing stores, for example, that have been out of business? Now they have all these clothes that they wanted to sell during the winter months. That I know. They're not going to be pop. You know, Neiman Marcus is closing, is shuttering, and apparently they're going bankrupt. Uh, I, I wonder if they're going bankrupt so they can reposition themselves. I, You know, that's staggering, especially a store like Neiman Marcus. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, You know, I'm the type of person... Like, I'll shop online. Mm-hmm. I'll go to Nordstrom's. I'll go to Saks. I'll go to Neiman Marcus online and buy clothes online. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I've kind of lost the desire to do it. You mean to go to the store? Uh, yeah, to even shop. Yeah, uh, you can't go to the stores, but to shop online, I've kind of just like, yeah, why bother? <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I, so I think what you're suggesting is your desire to consume or to own has been reduced by this entire experience. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I don't know if I could even explain why, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, maybe it's you're not going out to dinner. Oh, I need a new blouse to go out to dinner. Now you're just sitting in and, geez, you're lucky if you take a shower every <laughs> three days. <laughs> a little bit different. And the other industry that I think is going to change dramatically, and again, I don't know how, mm-hmm. but, you know, nursing homes are really taking the brunt of this. It's decimating nursing homes. And is this going to change, you know, right now with the elderly, we sort of, and this is not a, a, a pleasant word, but we warehouse the elderly. Yeah. You know, you put them in nursing homes. Now, you know, they're the ones that are getting hit. Are we going to change how we take care of our, our how we're going to be taken care of? Right. I don't know. It's a great question. I mean, these are all major issues. Now, my personal belief is that the virus is not as as deadly as as uh, people are making it. I think we're as, the, as much affected by the fear factor as we are by the pandemic itself. And I think it's driving a lot of our behavior. Our behavior, I think, is somewhat contagious. People are, <laughs> are just building their fear. And uh, it's as opposed to, you know, how many people are going to die from the flu this year? How many people are going to die from alcoholism? How many people are going to die from heart attacks? You just go through the list. Oh, I agree. And, and I, I totally agree. And I'll, I'll even give you an example. You know, two weeks ago, if I went to the grocery store, not that many people had masks on. Mm-hmm. This week, I went... And so many people had masks on, and I put one on only because I felt that someone, I didn't want someone to come up to me and say, <laughs> how can you be in a store and not have a mask on? Yeah, store Nazis. You know, uh, Linda, <laughs> Linda, my wife, was walking, in, uh, and uh, she apparently, I, I think she was walking in the street, but some guy, some woman walked by her and gave her the finger. <laughs> <laughs> people are getting pretty Hefty. belligerent. What, but why? Why did she do that? I don't. I don't know. Linda didn't know, uh, but uh, she, it, apparently she got too close, or she was walking where she shouldn't be. Oh, for goodness' sake! Yeah, I think people are getting testy. That's why I put the mask on because I thought if I'm in a grocery store and everybody else has got one on. Sure as shooting, someone is going to come over and get in your face about it. Yeah, it's so interesting. So I thought, oh, and I've even seen people, God, this is the craziest. I've seen people driving in cars with a mask on. (laughs) 
so fine. <laughs> so what? What are they thinking? Do they know how ridiculous they look? <laughs> I don't think they care how they look. It's it's such an interesting time, and the behavior is so interesting. Again, what we need is fact based. Uh, I went through an exercise, and a guy reminded us to just sit in a chair, breathe from your belly, just below your belly button, in and out, and uh, just have a feeling of gratitude and just consider the fact that you're healthy and things are okay right now sitting in this chair doing what you're doing, as opposed to being thinking about all the things that could go wrong and being sick and so forth. Mm -hmm. We have a a lot to be grateful for. We do. Mindful meditation. Absolutely. Again, Boo Mortensen, it's always great to find out what's on your mind. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, Stay healthy. You as well. Thank you, Boo, and wear that mask. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. As Southwest Florida is impacted by the coronavirus crisis, the organizations that provide relief and support to our community's most vulnerable population are finding their resources stretched. For 32 years, St. Matthew's House has provided food, shelter, and comfort to those struggling with poverty, food insecurity, and homelessness. St. Matthew's House is the only emergency homeless shelter in Cuyahoga County, sheltering more than 300 men, women, and children every night and providing more than 500,000 meals each year to those in need. For those who have shelter but are food insecure, direct assistance is offered through the St. Matthew's House food pantry and grocery distribution. Donations of food, hygiene supplies, detergent, diapers, and monetary support are needed curbside drop-off is available at St. Matthew's House Main Thrift Store at 2601 Airport Road, South Naples. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that does not solicit government funding. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org or call 239-774-0500. That's 774-0500. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Please visit the website, vfga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit Marco Robert, international consultant, business consultant, and speaker. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. Uh, tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's been a while. <laughs> it certainly has. We're seeing the encroachment of government ever. Well, certainly the excuses for expanding government is going on right now, which is a sad deal. So you wrote something I found extremely informative and interesting. It's called Practice Good Corporate Governance or Get Bad Government Governance. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know... Um one of, if I if I did a different brand of consulting, if I was if I was like a day to day guy on on a, a consulting to firms, what I would tell them is, don't make stupid, greedy, obviously obnoxious business decisions because you're just you're just feeding into the left's narrative on bad government. Mm-hmm. I mean, on bad private uh, business. And you're inviting more and more government scrutiny, regulation, et cetera, et cetera, as a result. Um, there, there's a guy, <laughs> there's an interesting little uh, situation going on down in Texas and Oklahoma. 
in the oil business, shocker, in that part of the world. And what's happening is these two companies agreed to merge. The board of directors of, the, of one of the companies, wanted to, both companies, wanted to merge. The CEO of one company, apparently, wanted to merge. This, this clown, uh, the CEO of Williams, basically started going and running his own board of directors to try to sabotage the deal after everyone on both sides had agreed to it because there was a $1.5 billion out. If either party came to the table and said, you know what, we don't want to do this after all, we're out of the deal, they had to pay the other side a $1.5 billion check. And so, so these two, this guy, this guy uh, Williams is running around uh, basically trying to create other mergers to, that, would, that would be poison pills to the existing merger. He was doing anything he could to, uh, to sabotage the merger to the point where multiple members of his board quit hmm. in response to his behavior. And now this, of course, ended up where all these things end up in court. And they're, you know, they're basically this company's still trying to shave, the CEO's still trying to shake down for the $1.5 billion. And the, the court is hopefully going to decide that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to get away with this. And, and, and the, uh, the $1.5 billion fine is waived as a result of this uh, malfeasance on the part of the, uh, part yeah. of the CEO. And again, this is, this is the type of behavior, this is like the, the, the monopoly man, right? With the monocle and the bag of money. This is what, this is the evil portrait of a CEO yeah. that the left feeds into. <laughs> Uh, or, or tries to foster, and it doesn't help when actual CEOs behave in this fashion. Well, fortunately, there's not many of them that behave in that way because it's just no, they're not. But but, but again, you know how the media works. Yes, exactly. You know, I, I'll give you a little side example. Twitter gave me a news alert. Okay, so I go to the news alert, and then the the news alert says hospital workers counter protest of of anti-shutdown protesters. So, okay, how, doesn't that sound equal? There are equal numbers of protesters on both sides. It kind of there sounds were that two way. nurses versus 5,000 protesters. <laughs> yeah, so and, that's, and that's what the left, cre- like you said, most CEOs, most business executives behave in a very fine fashion. But what, is, what will Twitter, what will the, uh, you know, the media equivalent of Twitter do with this guy, <laughs> right? Well, he'll make him the face of corporate America, correct? Right. right. So, 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 I like I said, if I were consulting these companies, and 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 I was consulting this one company, and I said, and they were, they were about to do this, and I had any idea they were doing, because remember the board didn't even know. Um, he was end running the board. I would say to the guy, uh, you're not helping yourself or anybody else with this behavior. Yeah, but, it, you know, I think you might be able to say that, but the fact of the matter is he's just a bad actor. I don't, and how he ended up being president of the company, I have no idea. I suspect that the merger that he... he I'm just guessing now, but just projecting this, he probably felt that his compensation for the deal was not sufficient and he wanted to blackball it. Uh, I mean, that could be true. Uh, I, I don't know. It, my first reaction was, because he's done this before in another merger. Mm-hmm. My thinking is, it's a good way to get a couple billion dollars without really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You build into the, into, into the merger agreement a, a buyout if you bail out, and then, and then you, after you get that in writing... You go out of your way to blow up the deal. So, uh, if I understand correctly, to get, them, to get them to blow up the deal, yeah. which gets you the the, the buyout. Uh, so he's trying to create a situation that makes the deal unattractive to the guy with whom, or with the company with whom they have yeah, a contract. He's, he's, he's tr- look, I, I just ha- I'm, I'm refinancing my house. Mm-hmm. I had to go buy a new car because my car had 150 thousand miles on it. I couldn't get. I couldn't finance the car because I'm changing the paradigm of my of my credit on the which would screw up the refi. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I ch- I was changing the the landscape after we'd agreed to terms on the refi. Mm-hmm. Likewise, this guy was changing the landscape of the company 
after they'd agreed to terms on the merger. You don't, you don't agree to terms on a merger and then immediately go out and start buying other companies. You kind of hold, you know, you hold, you're in a holding pattern over LaGuardia until the merger goes through. You don't, yeah. you don't go make new huge acquisitions after you decided to, to purchase the company because that's not the company that they agreed to merge with. You know, the, 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 the business, uh, the things that end up in court that really distress me are the uh, large corporations that are being sued by small companies, and they have tons of money to, to go 10 years onto the, for the litigation. Right. They can just string it out and string it out and, and, and put some the, more paper. And put right. the little guy out of business. That's the kind of stuff that I really de uh, detest. Uh, here's a different That's example, good. but it's so interesting indeed. Against Seaton, well, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, again, you, if you agree to, you, you know... It's like it's like agreeing to marry somebody and then you start dating somebody else. Yeah. Well, no, you can't. You can't do that. That's not how it works. That's that's not a good. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. Seton, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, uh, Marco Robert. I'm looking forward to the conversation. We've got so many people out of work right now, distressed businesses, like to get some ideas on how to get this all turned around. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Great education programs for the kids during the summer. What's better to build self-confidence and self-esteem than uh, being on the stage? And uh, all great programs on the website. I hope you just visit the website, Golf Shore Playhouse. Org. And by the way, great season coming up next year. I hope you'll uh, visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, May contracts plunging on oil, actually <laughs> getting down to uh, losing 300% of its value and negative $37.63 a barrel. In other words, uh, you'd have to actually uh, pay somebody to take the oil on your hands, and the contract expires today. Uh, now, the June contract uh, ended up down $4.60 or $20.03 a barrel. So, uh, again, very distressed situation for the oil. The president has tried to work with, uh, with Russia as well as Putin as well as Saudi Arabia in order to help solve the problem, reduce the production of oil. 
and uh, to uh, get it back in shape so that we can continue being energy independent and save the energy business here in the United States. Now, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's a Democrat from New York, celebrated the move saying, you're absolutely, well, you love, absolutely love to see it. She did that on Twitter. Within minutes, she deleted the tweet and replaced it with a different message. The revised tweet said, Now is the time to create millions of good jobs, building out the infrastructure and clean energy necessary to save up out a planet. It said out, not our. Out planet for future generations. It just, uh, I shake my head. Sandy the bartender becomes a representative, freshman representative in the House of Representatives, and now she knows how to save the economy. I just, it's distressing to see Who's in charge? We've got uh, some serious problems. She has a good competitor for her seat. It's a very strongly progressive district, and uh, but there's a GOP contender. It would be great to see her out of office after uh, one term. Well, Western democracies, especially the United States, just heaved a huge sigh of relief after getting word that the United Kingdom... Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, is dropping the controversial Chinese tech company Huawei, spelled H-U-A-W-E-I, Huawei, as the nation's provider for 5G infrastructure. And although Johnson was in support of the Chinese tech giant laying the non-sensitive portions of 5G and the infrastructure, he says that China's lack of transparency about coronavirus made the communist-run country untrustworthy. Boy, that is so, so much the truth, yes. And President Trump, Attorney General William Barr, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and members of the so-called Five Eyes country that share intelligence information brought huge pressure on the Brits to dump Huawei. The U.S. pressed hard for the United Kingdom to dump Huawei because of widespread speculation that China would use the 5G infrastructure to spy and use the remote command structure for blackmail. Senator Ted Cruz has said that if UK used Huawei, it would be next to impossible to share intelligence information with the ally. Earlier this week, Huawei, detecting a change of heart by the Brits due to anger over the coronavirus, sent a threatening letter to Johnson. Huawei's UK chief, Victor Zhang, told British leaders that pulling up stakes now would leave Britain in the digital slow lane. There are those who choose to continue to attack us without presenting any evidence, he quoted, was quoted, disrupting our involvement in 5G rollout would do Britain a disservice, he said. Uh, be directly answerable to, if not implicitly part of, the Chinese government. Well, if you read uh, Larry Bell's very informative book about cyber uh, uh, structures and uh, cyber war, we'll be talking about it tomorrow. I just finished the book yesterday. Uh, the China, you know, everybody's st uh, stealing information from everybody else. It's pretty clear that it's not just not just China spying us. We all spy on China. We spy on Russia. We spy on Great Britain. Everybody's spying on each other. I've come to the conclusion after reading the book that it's not a matter of going to war. We're already in a low-grade war with uh, many. And maybe it's always been this way. I'm not sure. I recall reading the biography of Henry Adams when he was a diplomat in Great Britain, and he referred to some of the behavior and spying that went on at the time. So that was back what a couple hundred years ago. And, and right now, it's just scary to see what uh, companies can do to each other. Well, actually, Huawei is part of the Chinese government, and what they do is they plant, uh, while they may create 5G here, maybe at a lower cost than we could get from our own providers. The fact of the matter is they would embed it with all kinds of spying opportunities and information uh, to uh, overturn and to, to uh, spy on us. So this is a good move on Boris Johnson's department. Uh, uh, part, the U.S. Uh, Department of Justice has begun a China initiative to keep the communist behemoth from exercising its 5G advantage. Besides unleashing the coronavirus on the world, the Chinese are responsible for the theft of U.S. military technology and of hacking into the database of the Office of Personnel Management, retrieving the 21 million real identities and personal details of American spies, as well as workaday government employees, and broke into the database of Equifax, the tech giant is banned from the United States. Doesn't make China too happy either. You know, if you take a look at the behavior of uh, our past president, I'm talking about Barack Obama, Obama, he never talked about this stuff because he was afraid of retribution from China and other bad players across the world. Well, you find out that President Trump, when he got elected, the first thing he did was call the, we got Kim Jong-un from uh, North Korea, 
Uh, he's engaged the Chinese with tariffs and banned Huawei from participation in 5G in the United States. It's just critical that we get 5G rolled out and protect our infrastructure. Now, in, in, uh, in uh, North Korea, they don't care about their infrastructure. They don't have an infrastructure to protect, but we do. Everything is dependent upon the Internet right now. Our phone calls, everything. Uh, the Department of Defense, actually, uh, some companies in the United States have stronger infrastructure and protection from cyber warfare than the Department of Defense. And uh, we just need a lot of work on our infrastructure. And that's why I think the president's idea of using the fourth round of uh, c uh, response to the coronavirus is to build our infrastructure and get it back in place with at least on base with some of the other countries around the world. Now, President Trump said on Sunday during the White House Coronavirus Task Force news conference that people would soon find out what he was going to do with General Michael Flynn and Roger Stone, who were convicted in special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation, and that the tables are turned now against those who launched the investigation. So interesting from uh, you know, One America News uh, raised the question, the last question that was asked in the press conference and gave the president this platform to make these comments. He said General Flynn was a highly respected person. It turned out to be a scam on him, Trump said. The FBI said he didn't lie, and Mueller's people wanted him to go to jail. Okay, so what am I going to do? You'll find out what I'm going to do. I'm not going to say what I'm going to do, but I will tell you the whole thing turned out to be a scam, and it turned out to be a disgrace to our country, he said. It was a takedown of a duly elected president. Now he's talking about the Mueller investigation and China, Russia, 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 all that stuff. So Trump's comments came as news broke last week that the FBI knew that the anti-Trump dossier that they used to get FISA warrants to surveil the Trump campaign were likely corrupted by Russian disinformation from Russia's intelligence service, as reported by National Review. And these people suffered greatly. General Flynn, I mean what, the, what they did to him, and even the FBI said, and they had some nobody bigger fan of the FBI than me at the level of people that really matter, Trump said. But the top of the FBI was, and this is the word he said, here's a quote, the top of the FBI was scum, and what they did to General Flynn, and you know it, and everybody knows it, was a disgrace. He was in a service over 30 years. He ends up being a general and respected, respected almost from his first day in office, and they come in with papers. They want to investigate him. Never happened before, and now the tables are turned. Investigate the investigators, I guess, he said. Those were crooked people, Trump added. These are bad people. They're very dangerous people, he said. You know what they are, though? They're scum. They're human scum, said Trump. And that's how he ended the press conference uh, yesterday, uh, leaving the room. He also showed us uh, articles of things that were written about uh, the uh, about his the response to the coronavirus by this administration that were favorable. And he pointed it out to the press corps, who I'm sure didn't have a sense of humor about being uh, hearing about it. He also asked uh, the Army Corps of Engineers head to talk about not only what they were doing in hospitals, but also on the border wall, which I thought was so fascinating. Build, building, I think it was 160 miles of border wall uh, right now as this is all going on. He also said Friday will uh, end federal funding for the Wuhan, Wuhan Institute of Virology that some are claiming spawned the coronavirus. And the Daily Coronavirus Task Force News Conference, the president was asked why the National Institutes of Health would include the Chinese $3.7 million spending on the research to conduct research during the Obama administration. Well, Fauci was part of that, and uh, he authorized it. I wonder if perhaps he wasn't shaking in his boots listening to what the president had to say about uh, the Wuhan virus. The, I'm going to call it the Wuhan plague. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I always appreciate your comments. I've gotten a lot of emails since I've been sending out the newsletter. And if you're not on the list, if you'd like to get a daily briefing on what's on the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com, or just communicate through the website bobharden.com. We have great guests lined up for tomorrow's show, including Bob Levy. He is a chairman, constitutional scholar, and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College, and also Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. There's that one on cyber warfare I just talked about. I'm looking forward to our conversation with him. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. 